So Money episode 1080, Myoshia Boykin Anderson, tech entrepreneur. You're listening to So Money with award-winning money guru, Farnoosh Karabi. Each day, get a 30-minute dose of financial inspiration from the world's top business minds, authors, influencers, and from Farnoosh herself. Looking for ways to save on gas or double your double coupons? Sorry, you're in the wrong place. Seeking profound ways to live a richer, happier life? Welcome to So Money. It doesn't matter how your yesterday looked. And your yesterday could be one day, it could be a week, a month, it could be 10, 20 years. No matter how your yesterday looked, what you do today and what you decide to do today is what's going to shape your tomorrow. Welcome to So Money, everybody. I'm your host, Farnoosh Tarabi. Our guest today has defied several odds. Myoshia Boykin Anderson truly represents the American dream. As a native of Houston, Texas, Myoshia saw some of life's most difficult times. Raised in poverty by a mother who was addicted to drugs, Myoshia herself became a single mom at the age of 19. And despite acing her classes, Myoshia was unable to attend college. And yet, Myoshia, an African-American woman, was able to begin her own business. In 2009, after getting laid off from her corporate job, she vowed to never put herself in a vulnerable position again. She started And Tech, which has grown into a seven-figure consulting firm providing custom application development and other tech services to businesses around the country. Myoshia talks about what fueled her determination, how becoming a mother really was the catalyst for starting her business and building her wealth the role that her faith plays in guiding her ambitions. And Maya Shia, as I mentioned, is from Houston and went to grade school with George Floyd. Each day, she says, has been challenging since his passing, but she's here to talk a little bit about his legacy and her reflections since his murder. Here's Maya Shia Boykin Anderson. Maya Shia Boykin Anderson, welcome to So Money. It's been a while since we first met Back in the fall in Arizona, you and I attended Allie Brown's iconic event, which listeners, this is a very exclusive, cool event, ticketed event every year for some time now. Allie Brown, who's been on this show and she's got the incredible podcast, Glambition Radio Podcast. And she hosts this event called Iconic and she brings to uh, together women from all over the world who are running seven, eight figure businesses and really want to connect with other like-minded, like-spirited women and learn from one another. And I got the chance to be sort of a fly on the wall at this event, but also some, you know, meet some pretty heavy-hitting female entrepreneurs. Myoshia, you were amongst them. And I we were saying before we were live that, you know, at the iconic event, the irony was that we had to sort of map out as one of our exercises, like worst case scenarios for your business. Imagine if Facebook went away, what would you do? And we thought that could be like the worst thing ever. We were wrong. We were so wrong. We were so wrong. How are you? How have you been since November and more recently as the world has completely transformed? You know, I have to say that I'm actually well. I'm well. My family is well. My business as as unpredictable as, you know, things have been and have been, I am still very well and I am very intentional about making sure that that statement remains true. 
Mm -hmm. Intentional is kind of your theme. If your life was a book, maybe intentional would be one of the working titles. You were a young girl that really defied a lot of odds. I mean, to grow up in inner city Houston... You, as uh, one of the older children in your family, sort of taking on the role of caregiver at a young age, had to grow up really quickly. You have a um, high school degree. You're intel. You're super intelligent, but we're not able to, you know, progress in school. And yet, you not only made it, you're killing it. You know, you've run a seven figure business, you work in tech, which last I checked is mostly men. Mm-hmm. So you're you're really defying some huge odds. This was intentional. You had to have a plan. This didn't just all fall on your lap. You went after this. Oh, yes. Oh, yes. And I went after it so strongly and so deliberately. I believe that part of that drive, literally part of the drive is that I had already lived what I knew I did not want. Right. So so that's part of the deliberateness and in, in really being intentional about putting the plan together and just forging forward, like literally defying all of those odds and overcoming every challenge and, you know, picking myself up when the doors were slammed in my face and picking myself up when the there wasn't a, t- a chair at the table for me. And, you know, just in all of those scenarios that surround to your point, this tech space and the fact that I do not look like what is traditionally common in this space. And even leading up to where I am today and just the journey, just really being able to be very strategic, right? But but also very intentional. I agree that word is so very etched in who I am and who I continue to be because I am. Everything that I do now is intentional. And I'm actually afraid to operate outside of intentionality. Like I'm I'm actually afraid to not be very, very focused on what I need to be doing. And not that, you know, I'm not this also super cool and fun, you know, (laughs) girl. And faithful. You are very close to your faith, right? And there is sort of that case where people would say, well, I'll just leave it up to God. Mm -hmm. To what extent do you leave your life up to the powers that be? Um, And what is that balance? Because on the one hand, I like to think that there's an energy in the world. I'm not a a deeply religious person, but I have have faith that things will somehow work out, but you have to put the work in. So what's the balance for you? The balance for me is, well, first of all, you're right, because I am very unapologetically a Christian. And I believe so wholeheartedly in this amazing and awesome and big God that I serve. And because my faith is so strong in this big God, I believe that I can do big things. Like I literally wholeheartedly believe in the Bible that I read and the promises that are left that says I am an heir to the throne, which means I I am entitled and I am worthy 
I am worthy of all of the great things that this world has to offer. Now, what I also know is that faith without works is dead. So no matter how big my belief is, no matter how great my faith is, it still requires a prerequisite to whatever I expect to achieve the it, it requires action. So yes, I do believe in God and I believe that all things are possible. I believe that I am already equipped with everything I need, but I also know that it does not come without work. That part you cannot skip. It does not come without work. So it forces me to put in the work so that I can realize all of the greatness that comes along with that. And that's the balance. That's the balance. Believing that it is out there, right? And really knowing that I have to put in the work to be able to get out there and go get it. And and I'm trying to get out there and grab as as much as I can, as much <laughs> of the goodness, as much of the goodness that this world has to offer, I'm trying to experience that abundance. That's such an important message to hear, especially right now. Many of us can feel like we have our hands tied behind our back, that we're just in simply reaction mode to what is happening in the world. We don't have, to use your words, the equipment and the tools and the and the know-how to go out there and be successful. You know, as a woman and as a Black woman, as a double minority, what are some of the ways that you've overcome the barriers, the stigmas, you alluded to some of this earlier uh, as an African-American woman in tech. Maybe share some stories there too about how you've overcome those adversities and perhaps, you know, the work that still needs to be uh, done to make sure that everybody can be as successful as you. Yeah, because it, there's definitely still lots and lots so of much to be done. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness, oh my goodness. And, and it is incumbent upon all of us to get it done. It cannot be done. You know, Black Lives Matter is not a movement just for Blacks, right? It is a movement that we all must be involved in. In order for change to happen, it's literally going to take all of us, Blacks, men and women, whites, men and women, Black, blue, purple, orange, and yellow, right? Men and women. It's going to take us all to be able to create and foster an environment, a community, a city, a state, a a nation that's going to be equal for all, like literally all. And it's going to take us all. I'll tell you um, a story. And I'm so very honored to be able to have these platforms and to be able to speak on podcasts, because I know there are so many men and women that look like me that do not have this platform. And when you talk about overcoming, I'll share with you, growing up, you know, George Floyd and, you know, his death and his murder, quite honestly, that was so widely captured. And how ironic is it that we were in the middle of a pandemic that forced us all to be at home, which means we all witnessed, you know, what happened. But George Floyd and I 
grew up together. We grew up in the same neighborhood. We walked the same streets. We literally went to the same schools all the way from elementary to high school, all the way from elementary to high school. We shared the same teachers. We, you know, all of that. As a matter of fact, our second grade teacher actually appeared on CNN, you know, sharing one of the papers that she kept from him. But I say that to say what happened could have happened to any of us. And I also say that to say I don't care what your background is or was. I don't care where your story started. I am trying to be a representation of what is possible. And that's what I want people to see. Has the journey been hard? Of course it's been. Like I've literally had blatant racism shown towards me and enacted towards me and all of that. But the way we respond and the way we take that and we use it so that we could move past it is what's so utterly important. And and again, I'm trying to make sure that I am literally a representation of what is possible because my story did not start out great. I I did grow up poor. I was in the hood, as they say. I grew up in the hood. I, you know, had a baby out of wedlock at a really young age. My mother was on drugs, so I couldn't, I I couldn't, when it was time to go to college, I couldn't fathom leaving my family, my siblings. I couldn't fathom that. So the story didn't start off well, at all by any means, but it was how I moved forward and moved past that. That is such a great part of my story. And that's what I want people to get is that it doesn't matter how your yesterday looked and your yesterday could be one day. It could be a week, a month. It could be 10, 20 years, no matter how your yesterday looked, what you do today And what you decide to do today is what's going to shape your tomorrow. We've all had some yesterdays, you and I and everybody listening to us today. We've all had some yesterdays, but it's so very important to take that and to not allow people, no matter how ignorant they are and no matter how racist or or unjust or any of that, no matter how bad they are. We still have a choice to, you know, dodge it and, you know, like you just move to the side. You know, you you could come at me with whatever you want to come at me with and I'm going to dodge it to protect myself and then I'm going to walk around it. I'm not going to stay there. I'm not going to entertain you. I'm not going to wallow. I'm not going to have self-pity. I'm not going to do any of that. I'm going to move around it and I'm going to keep it. I'm going to keep it going. As the kids say today, I'm going to keep it moving. Keep the um, ball rolling. Keep it rolling. Keep it rolling. And it's it, it's all about mindset and it's all about perception and it's all about determining, determining that we are going to be bigger than whatever circumstance we've gone through, whatever challenge we face, whatever obstacle has been placed in our way that we are going to determine and decide 
that we are not going to allow it to keep us down. And I'll say for news, it's not like, you know, I don't have those days when I'm like, oh my goodness, but I don't allow myself to stay there. Like mm-hmm. I'm sure that I feel every emotion that I have. Like I, I literally allow myself to feel it all, but I do not allow myself to stay there because it could be dangerous. Staying there could be very dangerous. You've credited becoming a mom at a young age, single mom, to seeing the world through a different lens and perhaps was a catalyzing time to really take your career to the next level. Can you take us to that moment? I agree. I think becoming a parent is like an unequivocal experience, I think is ultimately can be a really positive experience, but you have to kind of, again, see it with your mindset and and act with that mindset. So what was it about becoming a mom that for you changed so much? You know, seeing the innocence and the the hope that I saw that I saw in my daughter, it literally like it it was almost it it almost grew me up even more. So you know you mentioned earlier that I had to grow up really early. Like I I've literally been been working since I was 13 years old, like literally have been working, caring for people since I was 13 years old. But giving birth to my daughter automatically placed me in a posture where I knew I had to be better so that she could be better. And I knew immediately that not being that bigger and better person was not an option for me in any longer, no, no matter what had happened prior to her making her entrance into this world from this point forward, mediocrity had to, had to literally leave because I knew that I wanted so much more for her than I had. And it was literally, interestingly enough, it was like, we, we grew up together. We experienced so much together as a young mother, you know, even when we started like traveling and, and, and this is one of the, you know, a span of memories that she and I share together. It's starting traveling and really traveling internationally. It was something that I had never experienced and I was able to experience that with her. So we literally grew in so many ways. We grew together because I grew as I was, as I was raising her, I was literally raising myself as well. She was your partner in crime. She really was. And listen, <laughs> to this day, she still is. She holds a leadership position in my business. And um, she's still literally my partner in crime. Well, I'd love to spend some time talking about and tech. This is a solutions-driven company that you've built from the ground up. It's a multi-million dollar business helping businesses with tech problems and creating solutions for them. So so tell us a little bit about it. And um, we didn't even get to kind of the breakthroughs that you experienced uh, when you discovered technology. That was kind of like, you. I feel like you were really drawn to that. And it's always nice when you kind of realize like what you were destined to do <laughs> yeah. like at a young age, you know, but yeah. maybe tie that in as well as your passion for tech and how that led to starting this business and what it what it ultimately serves. You know, I truly believe that tech is my my passion work, right? And and I believe that it is because leveraging technology allows me to solve problems for people. And that's 
ultimately who I am. I'm a problem solver in life and business, but from a business perspective. So I was first introduced to technology in high school. In high school, we took a class and I was always good at math and science. And that was always my thing. And I wanted to be an engineer when I grew up and I had engineering scholarships and all of that. But I took this computer class and it literally captured me. The fact that we were presented with a problem and we had to use the computer to solve that problem. And I guess looking back at it now, and I'm literally, I'm literally kind of going back to that place right now in my mind. When I think about it, I believe that maybe it was because I knew that there was so much going on in my life that I couldn't solve, that this was actually something I could solve and I could do it for myself. It was my grade alone. It wasn't a group activity, that, but it was something that I could do for myself. So that's where that tech bug was planted. And I literally took that ball and ran with it for real because I joined the co-op program in high school where I went to school half a day and I worked half a day. And my school district partnered with some of you know the um, companies here in Houston. And I was working for, back then it was called American General. It later became AIG and, you know, this big company. But I worked at American General my junior and senior year in high school. And I just remember being a young girl in the office with these grown women. And I thought it was so fascinating that they wore dresses and they wore makeup and, you know, all of this stuff. But I would be at work and the women would talk amongst themselves and say, hey, hey, Jenny, do you know how to do this? And I would kind of slouch in my cubicle, figure it out real quick. And then I'll stand up and say, Miss Johnson, I know how to do it. Right. And and that's and it all started from there. And I just grew passionate about technical support and, you know, working at help desks and all of that stuff. And those were the types of jobs that I had. So. Fast forwarding, I, you know, just kept getting job after job that was in the tech space. And in 1998, I was working on a job that I really, really loved. I loved the job. I loved what I was doing. But one day my supervisor came in and she said, we're closing the office. And it devastated me. Literally, it devastated me because I was a young, single mother, no savings, living paycheck to paycheck. And now that paycheck that I was getting every Friday was about to leave. That, at that moment, that's when the entrepreneurial bug was born and was planted in me because I determined that day that nobody would have that power over me again, the power to determine you know, where I would get my next dollar from or how I would feed my family or whatever. So that's when I decided to become an entrepreneur. And it didn't start immediately. It literally took nine months to birth this whole thing. And and I'm thinking about it now and I'm like, nine months, just stay yeah. here, right? <laughs> so it literally took from February of 1998 to Friday the 13th, November, 1998. It took nine months. Your life prepared you for this, yes, in t- right? I mean, every day of your life up until this point was preparing you for this. Uh, just to hear you talk about what initially even drew you to the tech space, that it was an, a, a space in the world that was all about solutions. And for you growing up 
as a kid where every day was an unknown and there was so much uncertainty. And I think that comes, that, that carries a lot of fear. Uh, finally, something that you could really put your arms and wrap your arms and hands around. It was a control that you were longing for. Yes, 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 yes. And that was my, that was my outlet. That was my outlet. So now today for Anoush, I, I really, really enjoy being able to provide solutions for entrepreneurs and small businesses. I really enjoy being able to take a challenge and a pain point that they have in their business and to be able to develop a solution leveraging the power of technology to meet that need and help them grow and achieve results that they never thought were possible. I I really want businesses to be able to scale and grow and all of that stuff. And in order to do that, it's going to take systems, it's going to take technology, and that's what we are here to provide. We can literally sit with a client or a potential client. We can shadow them for half a day, and we can literally identify their gaps. We can come up with a plan and we can execute it and get them to a point where they are working smarter and not harder, literally, and where they're able to spend their time focusing on the stuff that they need to, and that's generating revenue for their business. But I love being able to do that. And I'm sure so busy now, right, as businesses who were perhaps not tech driven or tech conscious are forced and thrusted into this. And tell us, give us an example of a business that you've recently supported through a tech solution in the pandemic. Sure, sure. So um, I'll give you one in particular, and I'll I'll actually give you a couple because I want to be able to to really communicate the fact that our solutions um are for the 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 small solopreneur and our solutions range up to corporate America as well. We we have some corporate clients, but our solutions can be as simple as there was um, one of our clients recently um, who actually owned a, um, a hair salon, right? And and right before the pandemic, you know, her business started growing and all of that, but she could not and did not want to spend resources on a physical body to sit at the front of her, you know, of her shop. So what we did was we developed a kiosk for her and it was really just an an, an iPad in an encasement, right? But we developed this kiosk that would allow her clients to come in to actually check in on the kiosk. It would allow them to see the service that they were receiving that day, the um, the technician that was going to serve them that day. It allowed them to update their personal information because as part of the system, we had her mailing campaign. So they would get postcards in the mail that says, it's been six weeks since your color treatment year. It's time for a new one. But it would also send all kinds of other alerts. But it And then once they checked in, it would send a message to the cell phones of the technicians in the back so that they knew that Miss Johnson was waiting up front for her relaxer, right? So, so something as simple as that. It could also be, you know, the the CPA in a small office who has some spreadsheets that they use all day, every day, but it literally takes them hours to get what they need. We create what we call one button solutions, where we can roll 
a 12-step process into one button and place it nicely on your toolbar for you. And then on the other spectrum is it could be, you know, a very thriving small business whose business is really scaling now and they're really growing and they have not been able to find an application off the shelf that is going to meet their individual needs. So we may have to create a customized software um, product for them. So building a tool for, for them from scratch, totally custom, but would completely meet their sales and operations and accountability you know, um, functions inside of their business. So we provide all types of services like that from the small, you know, five hour project up to the five month, six month type projects and everything in between. (laughs) I love it. I love it. You're like sort of the, uh, the tech wizard that comes and you're like, what is your wish? The tech genie, so to speak. Um, I often hear from entrepreneurs that I'm really good at making money. I'm not great at managing it. How would you rank your personal financial strengths and skills? Uh, This is a financial show. So got to get nosy here and ask a little bit about how you would characterize your your personal finance acumen. So I, I always believe that there's, you know, always room for improvement. But let me tell you, I have been very, and I'm, I'm very grateful that I married, I've been married for 11 years now and I married this, um, this guy. Oh my goodness. I married this guy who also shares um, the vision for what we want our future to look like. So from a financial perspective, one, I've been very, very intentional about being a good steward over the resources that I've been blessed with, both personally and financially. Um, On a personal level, I am an investor and I, I believe that it takes money to make money. And I have this philosophy. I, I would be considered a very risky investor. Um, but only because I, I truly believe in education from a financial perspective. And I'm always trying to figure out how I can make my money work better for me. I do it in my personal life. I do it in my business as well. One thing that I'm very, very proud of, and I'm honored that when the pandemic hit, because I had been such a good steward over my business finances, I didn't have to worry about what I was going to do for my staff and and if I was going to have to lay them off. I was very intentional about saying, I don't care what happens. I will not lay off not one person. I will maintain my staff. And we were only able to achieve that because we managed our cash flow very well. We, We operate a lean shop and it could always be leaner. And I'm always trying to put on my minister of finance hat and and get us leaner. But really being able to manage the cash, it would do us no good to be to generate. You know, right now we're we're sitting at about two point two million in revenue. Right. So it would do me no good to be able to boast those types of numbers if if I if I was squandering it. Right. If I if I was not managing it 
managing it well. So I believe in savings. I believe in investing. I believe in paying myself. And I believe in using money as a tool and making money work for you. So th- that that's that's my financial belief. Um, and I'm always trying to learn and seek out those people who will help me make sure that if I decide to kick back and put my feet up in the next six years, that I don't have to worry about how I'm going to live after that. Even as an entrepreneur, you know, I think we, you know, when we're working in corporate America, we kind of rely on the 401k and we rely on all of that. As an entrepreneur, we don't think about that as much, but I am of the, of the mindset that the same way I would be saving and investing in all of that if I were a W-2 employee, and I am a W-2 employee of my personal business, but the same way I would do if I were in corporate America, I want to do the same thing here. So at my at my company, we, we offer 401k, we have a 3% match and all of that, because I want to make sure that not only am I trying to you know, do what I need to do to make sure I'm prepared for my retirement, but that I'm a living example and that I'm I'm living out. I'm kind of practicing what I preach in front of those that I lead from an organization perspective and in front of my family as well. And I'm sure you're retaining employees along the way, you know, keeping your 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 corporate family loyal to you. Those are some nice perks. Yeah. Mayashia, what does financial freedom mean to you as you approach later on in life, you approach things like retirement? I've been doing a lot of episodes lately. I don't know, maybe it's just the times people are really reflecting and wondering if they've just been on autopilot with their finances. Like, have you changed your attitude towards what you want for yourself in the future? Do you want to retire early? Do you, do you want to, you know, I don't know, like where, where do you see yourself and how are you financial planning to get there? Well, first of all, I think that financial freedom means that I am able to enjoy the lifestyle. Even if I look at the lifestyle that I live now, that I'm able to enjoy the same lifestyle even after my income generating years. So because I'm in my income generating years now, I am trying to maximize every opportunity I can so that in six years, and and that is my number, my number is 55. So that is six years away, actually six and a half years away. At 55, I want to be able to step away from the day-to-day operations of the business, but still be able to maintain the lifestyle that I live now. So that means that there's a lot of a lot of planning and deliberation and intentionality and strategy that needs to go on now to make sure that I'm going to have enough money to live this lifestyle for a lot of years. I, my my desire and hope and plan, and I hope that God is listening to me now, is to be able to live long after 55, which means I'm going to need a lot of money. And I have to make sure that I'm making the plans and doing the work now 
to ensure that that's going to be able to happen. So, so to your to your first question, that from a financial freedom perspective, that's what financial freedom means to me. So what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to look at different investment options. I invest in real estate. I um, I also invest in, you know, artwork and, you know, all of that stuff. But I am a little bit in the stock market. I am a little bit in other investments. I'm a little bit in real estate. So I have diversified, but I'm always, always you know, reviewing and reassessing and learning and reading and sharing and all of that stuff. I also believe very much in giving. And I believe that that God sends blessings to who he can send blessings through. So I am a big believer in giving. And that is part of my strategy as well, because what I give out there. I will be blessed in return. And and that's different from having ulterior motives. It's just the philosophy that you can't beat God given. So the more you give, the more he'll give back to you. And I believe in that philosophy. So, So those are some of the things that I'm doing to try to make sure that I can throw my air quotes in the air and say, I I live a financially free life. Well, and I like to think that God listens to so many. So your words to God's ears here on this show. Myoshia, thank you so much for joining us. What a privilege to connect with you and to hear your words and experiences. It's the stories like these that we really need to hear now more than ever. And I appreciate your time. Thank you so much for having me. This has been a pleasure. It was great connecting with you today. Thank you so much to Myoshia for joining me. Check out and tech llc.com. If you'd like to learn more about Myoshia's business, all this information's on somoneypodcast.com. The links, the audio, the transcript. Thanks for tuning in, everybody. See you back here on Wednesday. I hope your day is so money. Money.